As you are seated, let me remind you of another couple of things. One is today is our fall festival. It starts at 4.30 and goes to 6.30. Now, some of you have signed up to do a booth or uh, decorate your car or however you're going to have an area to greet the people and give them candy. Everybody's sort of on their own for their own imagination for doing that. Of course, I know our, our ministry leaders, our children and preschool ministry leaders have already let you know that nothing's scary, nothing of satanic nature, but all fun and good, good time stuff today. If you have not signed up, it's not too late. You can see Stephanie right after the service today, and she'll be glad to uh, tell you what you need to do. But you'll have to be here a little early today to set up your area because it starts at 4.30, and I trust our people to be here. What an opportunity for us to reach out to this community and say to them, we care, we want you to know we're here, we want to minister to your children and provide this for them. And it's a safe environment, we're so thankful for that, and let me encourage you to be here and be a part of it uh, this afternoon. And then we're right in the middle of being involved in Operation Christmas Child. You see the cross set up over here with the boxes, you've not yet picked up your box to, to fill it with the stuff that's going to be given to a child somewhere in a third world country, they would not get anything otherwise and will get to hear about Jesus and, and know of him. What an opportunity for us to join with Christians from all over the world as we give these boxes. And let me encourage you to get yours, get it ready, and that we'll be... Uh, bringing them in on, I thought I had it right here, but it's in November the 14th, I believe, isn't it? will be our end gathering, and uh, we'll encourage you to do that that day, and we'll pray over those boxes and pray for those children, and I want you to be a, a part of that. Okay. A simple message today, but I hope it is one that stirs your heart. I hope it is one that says to you, you need to be about godly things. You need to be about the things of Christ. For we live in difficult times, but they're not times that we were not forewarned about. The difficult times we live in the Bible is very clear that those times would come. And the Bible is very clear that those times will get worse and worse until the calling out of the church, the rapture of the church, taking us to be with the Lord. Now, I believe we're seeing those times move more quickly than we ever have in the past. We see more bitterness, more hatred, more dislike and disdain for the church and for the gospel of Jesus than we've ever experienced, especially as Americans. The church is mostly ignored today. I'm not young, but I'm not a hundred either. And I remember in my short life, 
that things used to be a lot different than they are today. I can remember a time when I went to school, kids, when every morning they would come on the intercom, and I remember before there was a such thing as an intercom. Somebody laughed. <laughs> I do remember, but if, before there was an intercom, every school teacher would read a passage out of the Bible and ask the students, do you have anything you need us to pray about? And, and some teachers would do that and others wouldn't, but there'd be a time of prayer before we ever began the school day. I can remember hearing the Word of God at school every day of my school days, all the way through being a senior in high school. At that time, it was student-led. And a student would come on the intercom and read the daily devotional, a word from God's word, say a couple of words, and then lead the school in a time of prayer, ask us to stand, and we would pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and then we would be seated and go ahead with our day of school. I remember during difficult times in those days when there was a lot of bitterness, a lot of hatred, a lot of fighting and a, a lot of turmoil during the time of integration. I'm so glad your kids are not having to experience that. But there was, there was a lot of unrest in our country during that time. And the black folks usually would come to the, the white school, and they had had their schools, and they came to our school. And those black kids were scared to death, petrified because they were being brought into a place they did not know. And we didn't know what to expect. But you know how we handled it in those days? There were no fights. We never had one fight at our school. We didn't have any problems with that. Instead, every teacher, every hour of the day would read the scripture to each class and have prayer with each class that we would get along like we ought to and that God would be honored in our school. And I'm telling you, we never had one problem because of God's word and because of our teachers praying over us. We live in a time when that doesn't take place. Well, you may be in a private school, and in that private school, it may be a Christian school, and you have Bible reading and you have prayer. But generally, that does not happen. Matter of fact, I am overwhelmed of the fact that uh, Brother John Bush tells us that the principals of the schools there in the area where they are have asked them to come into the schools for an assembly time and to talk to the kids and to the teachers that God may do a work in their schools and save their schools and that the teachers won't all walk out and quit within the next year. I'm amazed that that's taking place. That is unusual in our day, but it wasn't unusual in yesterday. It was something that America believed in. It's something that we stood on. And I'm thankful that I came up in that time. But I want you to know, we're living in a difficult time when there is a lot of unrest. There's a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of hatred. There, there's, a, there, there's a lot of destruction taking, taking place. There are a lot of stands that are being taken by evil people and evil forces and ungodly beliefs that are being taken, those stands are being taken all over our, our United States of America. 
from Washington, D.C., in our Senate and in our House of Representatives, from the White House to the Poor House, every place you turn, there is bitterness and hatred for the cause of Christ and for the propagation of the gospel in our own nation that was built upon the beliefs of the teaching of Scripture. Well, Jesus said it was going to be that way. He said there's going to be a time when you'll suffer for my sake. There's going to be a time when things are going to be in turmoil. There's going to be a time when you'll be persecuted is what the term that he used. And I'm telling you, we are seeing the very beginning of that. And some of you say, you don't work where I work. You don't go to school where I work. We're not in the beginning of it. We're in the middle of it. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus said it's going to be worse and we'll suffer for his name's sake. But he tells us all that, that we might be prepared for the day in which we live to know that what is on his agenda is the taking out of the church, him coming again, and taking the church out of this present world, and the chaos that will ensue after that is unbelievable with what will take place. But he wants to, us to be aware that we have something awaiting us, a victory, something that's going to take place for us that will be a celebration, something that's going to take place for us that we'll not have to see the terrible things that are going to take place on this earth. And we refer to it as the rapture of the church. Now understand, I, I know that preaching on the subject of the rapture of the church and the end times that I've been preaching on for several weeks is not a popular subject today. You don't hear much about it from most pulpits today, and most Christians don't want to talk about that. They want to act as though it's not going to take place. They, they want to just pretend that that doesn't exist and, and they don't have to face that and come face to face with the reality that they are not spiritually where they ought to be, that they're not living the life that Christ would have them to live, that they're not spending time with him in prayer and devotion, and they don't want to come face to face with that, knowing that the next thing could be the calling out of the church, the coming of Jesus. I want to prepare you a little bit today in talking about the things that are going to take place when Jesus comes. Now, I use this passage of Scripture at nearly every graveside service I ever do. There are some exceptions, but I usually use this passage of Scripture. And it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. Paul says, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Boy, that's a powerful statement. I want you to hear what he says. I don't want you not to know the truth. I don't want you to live in ignorance. So he writes these things that we might not be ignorant. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a cry, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ, with the trump of God, he says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I skip one phrase. Thus we shall always be with the Lord when that takes place. What's going to happen when Jesus comes? Well, first of all, the dead in Christ are going to be raised. Now, that doesn't mean all the graves everywhere, that all the bodies that have been thrown into the sea, that all folks that have been born up, burned up in fires, it doesn't mean that all of them are coming forth with a new body. It means that those who are saved, those who are redeemed, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the dead, listen to what he says, the dead in Christ, those that are believers, those that have been born into the family of God, they are in Christ. They will be raised. They're going to come up out of the graves, and, and, and we're going to join them. Listen to what he says. Not only will they come up out of the grave, but we will rise to meet them and go with them to meet the Lord in the air. You're talking about a glorious event for the believer. It's going to be glorious for those that God will bring with him. There, you see, we have such mythical and mystical beliefs about death and what happens to those. I hear folks talk about it all the time. Well, Grandpa's sitting up there fishing. He loved to fish, and I'm sure he's getting to catch a fish every time he throws out his lure. And every catch he gets is bigger than the last one, so he'll be happy. But <laughs> where'd that come from? Where in the world did, let me tell you, it came from the world, it did not come from the Word of God. They'll say, you know, they may have someone that can't walk, they're crippled. And they say, oh, listen, she is running the streets of heaven now on her new legs. No, she's not. Her legs are buried in the grave. The body is still here. Listen to what Paul says. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. When someone dies as a Christian, their soul, their spiritual person, rises to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in that place there where he is in heaven. Their body dies. It is some, sometimes it's burned, but many times it's placed in the grave, which has been the Christian way of doing it all through the years, of being buried as Jesus was buried but when he comes that's when they'll have a new body that's when grandma will have new legs where she can run the streets of gold that's when granddad is going to have his body and 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 we'll be able to see them as we rise we're going to be given bodies also but the dead in christ are going to rise first and then we're going to be caught up together with them we're going to be given wonderfully new bodies. 
Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and, get this, flesh and blood cannot, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does this corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we not all be dead, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet that we just talked about from 1 Thessalonians. And he writes this to the church at Corinth. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Let me tell you what. This old body of ours, you young folks, you cannot imagine that. Your body is still strong, is still healthy. You can do what you want to. You can run and jump and swing from the trees and carry on. You can do all kinds of things while the old folks sit up in the lawn chairs and watch you. But let me tell you, the older you get, the more that passage means something to you. That we're going to have an incorruptible body, a body that won't know the corruption of the flesh that we live in, the body that won't know sickness, the, the body that won't know pain, a body that won't know dementia. Hallelujah, old folks. A body that won't know aches and pains, a body that won't know heartache and grief, a body that won't know those things. We'll be given a new body. We'll be given a glorious body likened to Jesus, the Scripture teaches. And the former things will have passed away. And everything will be made new as we are brought up to be with the Lord in heaven in new bodies. Let me tell you the second thing. Jesus is going to recognize everything we've ever done for his glory. Now, let me tell you something that you may not hear very often. Now, we're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ as Christians. And as we are judged at the judgment seat of Christ, everything we've done will be brought up, whether good or bad. We'll not be judged for our sins. They've been nailed to the cross. But our works for him will be judged. And the things that were done for our own pleasure... The things that were done because of our own sensitivities, the things that are done because we want to have a good time, those things will be burned up, according to the Apostle Paul, as wood, hay, and stubble. Like you throw a, a match into dry hay. He says it's going to be burned up. 
for the things that have been done for the glory of Jesus, the way that we've served him. You Sunday school teachers, sometimes I know it is laborious when you realize through the week and come to Saturday night, you've got to be ready on Sunday morning to teach that Sunday school class. And you've, some of you have been doing it for years and years and years. And I mean, some of you have been doing it longer. No, you can't do it longer than I've been alive. But you've been doing it a long time. Let me tell you, every bit of that labor, every bit of that study, every bit of that preparation, all that you've done to serve the Lord Jesus, all you choir members that are looking forward to choir starting back and already starting Wednesday night, soon going to be up here in the choir, aren't you looking forward to them, church? Yeah. All you choir members, He's going to know every note you ever sang. You better make them good. He's going to know every song, every time you ever led in worship. He's going to know, Brother Tommy, every time you stood before this congregation and told them to praise Jesus and to sing out and you've led us in worshiping him, he knows every bit of that. He's going to know every time I stood before this church and preached the word of God and try to tell you the things that he's placed on my heart. And when we stand before him, he's going to reward us openly for everything that has been done for his glory. Wow. Nothing escapes him. Our labors will be rewarded. You know, a lot of things we do in secret. I know there are several folks in this building that do a lot of things for other people. You know, you, you go in maybe as a deacon, you've gone to, to a widow's home and you've repaired something for her. As, as a, a, a young adult, you may have helped a, a, one of the older ladies get her yard cleaned up or cut her shrubs or, or you may have just helped her go get her groceries. Every labor you've done to the glory of Jesus and in ministering to someone else, He's going to reward openly. Going to recognize. I don't know how long that's going to take, but it's going to be thorough, and he's going to do that. Listen to what he says in Revelation chapter 22, 12. And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to their work. I'm going to reward them. The third thing, and I think I alluded to this a while ago, is going to be a family reunion. A family reunion. You know, sometimes I, I think about that. I, I do. I, I've had a lot of death in my family through the years. I can remember as a boy going to funeral after funeral because my, my great aunts and uncles were passing away and then my granddad and and, you know, you, you, you remember those things. But those who are saved, we're going to be reunited with them. We're going to spend forever with the redeemed. And we won't ever have to say goodbye. There won't be any more separation. There won't be any more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. There'll, there'll be no more death. But we'll be there and we will 
be reunited with our family members. Listen to what he says. That we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. You know, it may take us a few minutes to get to heaven. We'll just be rejoicing so much in the air, just having a good time. I cannot imagine getting all this in the air, can you? (laughs) But I know God has the power to do that. And he says, we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and we'll forever be together with the Lord. My goodness, there won't be any more goodbyes. There won't be any more benedictions. There there won't be any more... funerals there won't be any more sadness there'll be no more sorrow but forever and ever and ever sweet fellowship with jesus and with each other and we're going to be reunited isn't that going to be glorious the best part about it is we're going to get to see jesus we're going to get to see jesus i've never seen jesus Oh, spiritually, yes. I, I've had an encounter. I have an encounter with Jesus all the time in prayer. We know him. He speaks peace to our hearts. He's given us salvation. But I've never had the privilege of him saying to me as he did to Doubting Thomas, come put your finger right there in my, my hand where I, the nail went through. it." I never had that privilege. Can you imagine sitting in that upper room with Jesus and him taking that unleavened bread and breaking it and saying to those disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat it. Can you imagine experiencing that and the Lord himself saying, this is my body which is broken for you, eat it. And then him taking that wine and pouring it into the glass or the cup And he says, this cup is the New Testament of my blood. Take and drink it in remembrance of me. And every time we have communion, we remember the Lord's body that was sacrificed on the cross for us. And every every time we drink of that cup, we're reminded that his blood was shed on Calvary, that he could wash away our sins and give us forgiveness. And he is purified us through his shedding of his blood, the undefiled, sinless blood of the Savior shed for us. But finally, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see him just as he is, as the song says. Listen to what he says. John writes this in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's not a fairy tale. That's not folklore. That is truth. From God's word, we're going to be with Jesus. But there's a sad part to this. All of this is glorious. 
All of this is glorious. We're going, we're going to be given new bodies. We're, we're going to be together with loved ones. We're going to get to see the Savior. We're going to be rewarded for all that we've done for the glory of Jesus. But there's a sad part. All of the unsaved, every last individual who has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will be left behind. No one will sneak in. No one gets in by the skin of their teeth. We get in by the blood of Jesus and through his sacrifice. But those who have never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior will be left behind. Listen to this scripture as Jesus is teaching in Matthew 25, and then I'll be through. He said, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came in, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You know, I've, I've done this a long time. Most of you know that my family and I were in full-time evangelism prior to becoming pastor here at Dalreda. We enjoyed those five years full-time on the road. We'd, I'd pastored in Dothan at the Selma Baptist Church in Dothan for the years just prior to that, and before that, I was at Eden Baptist Church. I've been the pastor a long time. But we spent those five years on the road in evangelism, singing and preaching the gospel. And I've given a lot of invitations through the years. I've preached the word. And I've invited folks, don't you want to come to Jesus? Why don't you trust in him and be saved? And I, listen, 
as a revivalist, I preached hard, and I brought the simple gospel week after week after week, night after night. And we literally saw hundreds come to faith in Christ, and we're thankful for that. But I would see people that would actually raise their hand and say to me, would you pray for me, preacher? I need to be saved. I don't know Jesus. Would you pray for me? And I would always have a prayer for those who would raise their hand. I've seen folks standing there, and they could not even look at me during the invitation. They would grip the back of that pew in front of them and stand there, and they would not even look at me. They would stare off in another place in the building because they could not look me in the eyes because I knew that the Holy Spirit of God was dealing with them, and they had never come to faith in Christ, and they knew that they were being called to repentance and to come to faith in Christ. But night after night, we'd see folks leave and not be saved. I heard Junior Hill one time talk about preaching in a revival and a bunch of teenage boys sat near the back and most of them listened. Some of them were saved. But one made fun of him all night. Every time he would glance back there, the, the teenage boy would be mocking him and making fun of him and trying to disrupt and keep the others from hearing him. Junior said, I prayed for him the whole time I was preaching. And I, I knew God was trying to deal with him, but he was trying to fight the Holy Spirit with everything he had. He says, I gave the invitation. He didn't come. He said, I extended the invitation, and he didn't come. But when the benediction was given, out that door he went, and you could hear his car as he drove off, speeding down the highway. He said, we were standing at the front, the pastor and I, and people coming out the door, and we were fellowshipping with them. And one of the church members came riding up in the car, coming back to the church and said, Preacher, come quickly. One of our teenagers has had a terrible wreck and run off the road, and the car's on top of him. He says, I got in the car with the preacher. I rode down there, but I didn't really know the kid, and I didn't know who this was. He says, I got out of the car, and I stood there on the, the edge of the car there next to it. And the preacher went over there and said, the boy was conscious. He was literally bleeding to death. And he said, tell that preacher I'm sorry. Tell that preacher I'm sorry. Please tell that preacher I'm sorry. And for, before the pastor could say a word to him, he was gone. He was gone. Junior Hill said that night has bothered him the rest of his ministry. Almost, but lost. Under conviction, but lost. Had every opportunity, but lost. There may be someone in this room this very morning 
that you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never believed, believed on him. You've never trusted him. And should the coming of Jesus be now? Should it be tonight? Should it be tomorrow? And you have not believed on him. You'll be one of the ones forever lost. Forever lost. He said there'll be those that'll stand before him on the day of the great white throne judgment. And the books will be open, all of the things they've done. And there, everything bad they've ever done will be revealed. Every sin, every horrific act, every thought will come to light. And he says over there at the side will be the book of life where none of their names will be found. And he says, some will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, did I not do this? Didn't I do some good things? And he says, I'll say to them on that day, depart from me. I never knew you. And one at a time will be cast into everlasting hell because they did not respond to the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ to come unto me, believe on me, and have ever lasting life. Let me ask you, there are only two groups, the saved and the unsaved. Those that know Jesus and those who do not know Jesus. Which group are you in? I believe with every ounce of my being that we are in the last The actions, the, the attitudes, everything in the world proclaims we're in that last day. And the very next thing that could take place would be the coming of Jesus with a shout, with the trump of God, and we'll be gathered together, those that are believers, and go to heaven. The rest will be left behind. You say, well, that doesn't sound so bad. We'll just be left on earth. Oh, it gets much worse. Worse and worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes in power and glory and defeats all the armies of this world at the Battle of Armageddon. And we come with him. He sets up a thousand-year reign and we'll be with him. But none of those who are unsaved will be in the kingdom. That's what the scripture teaches. So my question to you, everyone, from Brother Tommy all the way over here to all the folks over this side, to the Ingrams, I'll just call their names out, every one of you. If Jesus should come today. Do you know him? Are you saved? Are you a believer? Are you trusting him? 
might say to me, well, I hope so. Not I hope so. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know Jesus? Are you saved? If not, in just a minute, I'm going to be standing down here. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I'd settle that matter this morning. I wouldn't wait till tomorrow. I wouldn't make, well, let me talk to somebody else at work tomorrow. Maybe they can explain this better. I would not wait. I'd settle it right now. I'd come to Jesus. Let me encourage you to do that. Would you? Lord Jesus, have your way in this invitation. Lord, I've tried to bring the truth very simply, plain spokenly, that you could speak to heart. Have your way. You tell us that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that you send it forth to accomplish. So right now, Lord, accomplish what you want to in this place. Speak to hearts. Draw them to you. May your Holy Spirit convince them that they need to trust Jesus. Lord, may this be a moment when some come to find you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for this invitation time that will be real and meaningful and your will will become, will be accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.